0: Uh, hi, guys. Yeah, I, 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 I'm going to get started in just a second. But first, I have something that I just wanted to say.
1: Que que yo voy.
0: Soy Ben Shapiro y este is es el show de Ben Shapiro. So I think I just won the Hispanic vote in Florida, right? That's the way this works. Or, or as we call it in the woke community, the Latinx vote in Florida. Really exciting stuff. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Why haven't you gotten a VPN yet? Visit ExpressVPN.com. Okay, we're going to get to all of the actual news. Then we'll get to all of the ridiculous news. The actual news involves peace breaking out in the Middle East. The stupid news involves Joe Biden not being an actual person able to say words, and also Donald Trump deciding it's a great idea to do a long-form interview with George Stephanopoulos and his cadre of people who hate Donald Trump. We'll get to all of that stuff in just a moment. First, let us talk about the fact that there's an enormous amount of uncertainty in the market right now. You may have noticed, things be crazy. Things are wild out there. And this means that you want to diversify at least a little bit into precious metals. I've been telling you since 2016 to invest in gold. If you had listened to me then, you would be a lot richer now. That was back when gold was 1,300 bucks an ounce. Now, it is hovering around historic highs, and around the corner is a contentious presidential election. Who the hell knows what else? I mean, remember where we were in January, and we thought things were volatile then when the president was getting impeached? Yeah, yeah, good times. Well, if you haven't reached out to Birch Gold to diversify part of your IRA or 401k into a precious metals IRA, or just purchase physical gold or silver from them, go ahead and do it today. Text Ben to 474747 and get a free information kit on protecting your savings with gold. Listen. I buy gold. I trust Birch Gold. I have been for years. They have an A plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Countless five-star views. Give them a call. Ask all of your questions. Get to know them. And then when you feel comfortable, take a little bit of your money and put it in precious metals. Text Ben to 474747. Open a precious metals IRA today. Again, text Ben to 474747 to get started. Okay, so before we get to the actual news of the day, big announcement. Are you ready for it? Big, 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 big announcement. So I have been asked 1,000 times over the past few years, why in the world are you in California? Like, why? Why would Daily Wire stay in California? I mean, this place has turned into a hellhole. All you do all day long on the show is just complain about how bad California has been. And the answer was that I've been in California literally my entire life, except for a three-year stint when I was at Harvard Law School in Boston. Aside from that, I've spent my entire life in California. And I love this state. It's a beautiful state. It's a state with a lot of culture and a lot of fun to it. It's a a great place in terms of activities. You got the beach nearby, you got Disneyland. And then over time, it just became a hellhole. And it has become a hellhole at this point. And so yesterday, we here at the Daily Wire announced that we are moving the entire company to Nashville. So just yesterday, Governor Jerry Brown, former governor of California from 1975 to 1983, and then again from 2011 to 2019, he said, where are you going to go? where are you going to go? You can't, you know, okay, you, you say the California is bad. Where are you going to go? The answer is we are going to Nashville. We are taking the entire company and we are picking up and we are leaving and we are putting our headquarters in Nashville. Okay. that That is where the company will now be located. We're taking all 75 of our jobs and we're taking our tens of millions of dollars in annual revenue. And we are moving all of that outside the state of California. And this is specifically and really only due to the crappy governance of the state. It is not because We are foreign to the state. Again, I've lived here my entire life. My business partner, Jeremy Boring, has been here for 20 years. My parents have been here longer than I've been alive. We're not doing it because we dislike California, because we are newbies, because we couldn't take the heat, anything like that. I've been here the whole time. We are leaving because this place has become so horribly governed that if you have the means to get out, and if you have a company relying on you, and if you have employees who are relying on you, you are going to leave. We are but the tip of the spear. We are not the only ones. Elon Musk has already decided to leave the state. He'll probably be taking a lot of employees with him over time. Joe Rogan has already left the state. We are leaving the state as well. Again, we are taking 75 employees who are based in California, and we are moving. We have about 100 employees across the country, and we are relocating to a state that is not run like garbage, Tennessee. And now, did did my business partner and I, did Jeremy and I and Caleb Robinson, our other business partners, did we ever think that we were going to be moving this company to Nashville? No, otherwise we wouldn't have built up these big, beautiful studios here in Los Angeles. And employed a bunch of people in Los Angeles. And hilariously enough, when we announced this to our employees, we thought, okay, a lot of people are going to be very upset about it. It turns out far more of our employees are excited about leaving California than would be excited about staying in California because this place has become unlivable. Not only is the rent too damn high because of all of the garbage zoning regulations here, but the quality of life here has degraded radically. Now, I'll be honest with you. I had a tough time convincing my wife just to leave California. Okay, and to be frank with you, I'm splitting my time in some different places, not just in Nashville. But the fact is that trying to get my wife to leave California was not an easy task because she, too, has spent a lot of her life in California. She lived in Sacramento and now she lives in L.A. And so she's been in California for a very long time. And over the past two years, she's looked around and she said, "Okay, I guess you're right. And the reason for that is perfectly obvious. Between the city of Los Angeles deciding that they were going to cede the entire city to low-level criminality, they were not going to enforce the law, they were not going to keep the streets clean, they were not going to make it livable for me to allow my children to play outside of our front gate without adult supervision. Between them allowing the streets to become incredibly dirty and dangerous, because here's the reality, if I let my kids walk around the neighborhood, they will stumble across two open needles during the course of that walk, because the city has specifically told law enforcement they can't do anything about the rampant homelessness problem that has plagued Los Angeles. There are 66,000 homeless people in L.A. County. Every single underpass in L.A. has entire living facilities for homeless people. This is not, by the way, sympathy to the homeless, many of whom really need serious help. They are drug addicted or mentally ill, and the city has decided that in the name of freedom, they are going to allow the suburbs to be overrun by this homelessness problem that does affect people who are paying their taxes. And between that between the fact that they've decided to defund the cops and move away from allowing the police to do their jobs entirely, between the increased taxes and the higher levels of crime and the lower levels of cleanliness, between the fact that God decided to plague the state with a giant wildfire spate over the last several years, apparently. It's like, I I didn't need the help, God. Like, I got it, I got it. I didn't need the signs and the wonders to drive me from California. And frankly, I'm just hoping that when Michael Knowles looks back at California, as we make our way out, that he turns around, he looks back, and he immediately turns into a pillar of salt. Like, that is my dream. But whether or not that happens, we are leaving, and you're going to see more of this. Again, you're going to see a lot of this. New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. You're going to see this in LA. You're going to see this in San Francisco. People are going to pick up, and they are going to leave. And the people who are most likely to leave are the people who can afford to leave. Let's be honest about this. The people who are going to get trapped in Los Angeles are the people who are lower middle class. Because they don't have the wherewithal to pick up and leave. They don't get to decide, honestly, where their jobs take place. As the head of a company, I get to decide where we take our jobs, and we are excited to allow our people a better living standard, moving to some place like Nashville that is not governed like garbage in a red state, then forcing them to stay in a place that is very difficult to raise children and to live. But blue states for too long have thought that they can govern as badly as they want, and there will be no consequences. That's true to a point, and then beyond that point, it is no longer true. We have reached the breaking point. We are leaving, and so Daily Wire will see you in Nashville. Okay, now, in actual global news that matters an awful lot, and this is the stuff that the media are really downplaying. I mean, seriously downplaying. This is a major earth-shattering thing that is happening on the foreign policy front. And so naturally, the media are focusing on whatever dumb thing Trump retweeted today or Joe Biden being able to string together about half of a sentence before nearly physically collapsing. The actual big news of the day, yesterday, was that Donald Trump facilitated a major Middle Eastern peace deal. The media were beside themselves over this. They could not believe it. They cannot believe it to the extent that they have now been attempting to downplay the importance of a peace deal between Israel, the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain. Okay, and, and by the way, there are going to be a bunch more countries that sign on. I would assume that Morocco will sign on. I assume Sudan will eventually sign on. Oman came along as well. They, they were actually at the signing ceremony. And the end goal eventually will be the Saudi Arabian government recognizing the state of Israel, which is something that has never happened. And the media have been trying to downplay this. The reason they've been trying to downplay this is because the entire peace deal that has emerged in the Middle East is a direct rebuttal to decades of received wisdom in foreign policy circles from morons like Thomas Friedman and Ben Rhodes and the Barack Obama administration and the Clintonites that received wisdom was. Israel would never be able to live in safety and security unless they made concessions to Palestinian terrorists. That all conflict in the Middle East sprang full-blown from the conflict between the Israelis and the Palestinians. And that is a lie. It was always a lie. It was never true. The Palestinians were merely a club that was being wielded by various countries that hate Israel in order to distract their own populations from the crappy governance in those countries and to give them a reason to hate Israel as opposed to looking to broader concerns. Now, countries that are looking forward and realizing that they have to shore up their regimes... Countries looking forward and realizing that there are actual existential threats, that Israel does not care about Saudi Arabia, does not care about the UAE or Bahrain, is not trying to invade anyone, that Israel just wants to exist in safety and security. Those countries are looking to Iran and going, oh, wait, those guys want to take us over. Those guys are interested in harming us. And so they formed a de facto alliance with Israel and normalized relations were the first step in that sort of de facto alliance. There'll be technology sharing. There'll be economic sharing. This is an amazing moment. It's a complete realignment and the realignment not only happened in spite of the conventional wisdom, which suggested that the only way peace would break out in the Middle East is if the United States pushed Israel into concessions. It completely rejected that. In fact, peace only broke out in the Middle East because the United States made clear it was not going to force Israel into concessions. The Trump administration, by making obvious that Israel was going to be able to pursue its own foreign policy, that Israel is going to be able to strengthen itself by moving the embassy to Jerusalem, which is a statement that Israel's capital is never going to be given away. It will never be divided, a statement that the Golan Heights will never be handed over to Syria or any other country. Once the United States made that clear, other countries went, "Okay, well, I guess this is just a foregone conclusion, which, by the way, is what the approach should be to the Palestinian issue as well, which should be Israel is not giving up any of the settlements it has already built. That is obvious. It is true. And once you accept that and once you accept Israel's existence and you accept that Israel isn't going away, then maybe you can talk about peace. Israel is not going to be swamped by millions of Palestinians who believe that they should be allowed to live inside Israel proper, despite the fact that they live inside a a separate governed entity called the Palestinian Authority or Hamasistan in Gaza Strip. In other words, reality is a better predicate for peace than fantasy nonsense, than utopian garbage that has been pushed by Democratic and Republican administrations alike up until Trump. By setting up a realistic assessment of what exactly is the truth in the Middle East, which is that Israel is here to stay, that Israel has certain interests that it is going to pursue, and that other countries have interests they are going to pursue, and that people don't spend all of their time thinking about Israel. That actually most of the conflict in the Middle East over the last 50 years has not involved Israel. That if you're looking at the biggest conflicts in the Middle East, whether it's the iran Iraq war, which killed a million people, or whether you're looking at the Gulf War, or Gulf War II, whether you're looking at ISIS, or whether you're looking at the war in Yemen, most of the major conflicts in the Middle East have been Sunni-Shia conflicts. They have not, in fact, involved Israel at all. Which means that maybe there's a lot of room to make peace. And that's what happened yesterday, is that that became absolutely clear. It rejected literally decades of received wisdom from the wisest foreign policy minds. And the wisest foreign policy minds could not stand it. They could not handle it. How could this idiot, Jared Kushner, have solved this problem? How could that moron, Donald Trump, have solved the problem? Maybe because they rejected wisdom that had no evidentiary basis. Maybe because they looked at the world situation and they realized that your idiotic notions that, Jews lay at the center of all the problems. That was actually the problem. Maybe they realized that people have countervailing concerns that actually affect them in their daily lives. In a certain particular way, the received foreign policy conventional wisdom, it sort of mirrors the sort of Robin Angelo anti-racism movement. There are all these problems in the world, but only white liberals can solve them. There's systemic racism and evil, and all of America's systems are bad. Only white liberals can solve. This was the received wisdom in Europe and in America. Only the Americans could solve. Right, sure, we had nothing to do with the Middle East, really. But only we could solve, and only we could solve by getting the other, quote-unquote, European people. And there, there is this perceived wisdom. I mean, this is something Barack Obama said, that Israel was really formed in the aftermath of World War II, and that was the connection. And yeah, this is still the received wisdom in Europe, is that the Jews in Israel are sort of expatriate Europeans, which is nonsense. Okay, there's been Jewish connection to the land of Israel since the land of Israel started to matter to anyone at any time. Okay, but that, that sort of received wisdom was the predicate for a lot of bad foreign policy, got a lot of people killed. And now peace is breaking out because that received wisdom has been rejected. So yesterday, President Trump gets up at the White House in this historic signing ceremony. And he says, we're here to change the course of history.
2: We're here this afternoon to change the course of history. After decades of division and conflict, we mark the dawn of a new Middle East. Thanks to the great courage of the leaders of these three countries, We take a major stride toward a future in which people of all faiths and backgrounds live together in peace and prosperity. In a few moments, these visionary leaders will sign the first two peace deals between Israel and the Arab state in more than a quarter century.
0: That's kind of a big deal, right? You would imagine that would lead all of the newspapers, right? That would be the chief headline. It is not the top headline at The New York Times. It is not the top headline at The Washington Post. It is not the top headline at CNN. It just fell out of the news. Imagine if Barack Obama had actually cut some sort of peace deal. The Iran deal was the headline for weeks for the mainstream media. What a genius diplomatic move. It was the worst diplomatic move, by the way, in modern American history. I mean, a horrible move. Such a horrible move that it actually created a countervailing alliance between Israel and the Sunni nations. That's how bad the Iran move was. In opposition to the United States backing Iran, an entire alliance formed between the Jews and the Arabs. I mean, that's, you got the Jews and the Arabs on the same side, specifically because Barack Obama was such a bad president. Understand that that's what happened here. Okay, we'll get to more of that historic signing ceremony and why it matters and why it really is a feather in the cap of the Trump administration that the media are deliberately ignoring. We'll get to that in a second. First, there are a thousand reasons why protecting your home matters to you. Ring has security products for every corner of your home, inside and out. As I've been mentioning, L.A. is degrading and degrading quickly. And while we may be leaving L.A., we're still going to put Ring devices wherever we go, because the fact is that I'm always worried about safety and security at my home. Also, I have young children. I want to be able to keep an eye on them no matter where I am, because little kids, they're little suicide machines. They're constantly trying to kill themselves. I want to make sure that I know where they are at all times. This is why I love Ring. With Ring, you can keep an eye on your home no matter where you are directly from your phone. If somebody stops by or something is going on, Ring will let you know. It's peace of mind anytime knowing that your home is protected. Get a special offer on the Ring Welcome Kit at ring.com slash Ben. It comes with Ring Video Doorbell 3 and Chime Pro. It's the perfect way to start your Ring experience. Plus, free two-day shipping. Go to ring.com slash Ben. That is ring.com slash Ben. Go check them out. Right now, you can see and speak to whoever is at your door from anywhere with video doorbells. You can keep an eye on every corner of your house with easy-to-install indoor and outdoor cams. You can protect your whole home with Ring Alarm, a powerful, affordable whole-home security system you can easily install yourself. Go check them out right now at ring.com slash Ben and get that special offer on the Ring Welcome Kit with the Ring Video Doorbell 3 and Chime pro A great way to get started securing your home. Ring.com slash Ben. Okay, President Trump also announced yesterday that this was just the beginning. That nine more nations could join, including apparently Saudi Arabia.
1: Nobody thought of the plan that I thought of, and it's going around the back door. I call it going around the smart door and coming in a different way. And we have many other countries going to be joining us, and they're going to be joining us soon. Uh, We'll have, I I mean, I think seven or eight or nine. We're going to have a lot of other countries joining us, including the big ones. I spoke with the king of Saudi Arabia. At the right time, I do think they will come in. Yes, I do.
0: Okay, well, that would obviously be the major move. And here's the reality, obviously. Bahrain is not joining this deal without Saudi permission. And even the UAE deal, Saudi has allowed its airspace to be used for commercial airliner movement between the UAE and Israel. Trump added, we have a lot more deals like this. You know, for, for a guy who's been ripped up and down for not being able to make deals, this is a pretty historic deal, is it not?
1: It's gotten rave reviews, even from the New York Times and Tom Friedman and a lot of people that don't like Donald Trump too much. They've given it literally rave reviews. So this is one deal. But we have many others like this. Look, our country's been stagnant for many years. We did nothing but give our money away, give our wealth away and give our jobs away. And now we stopped that. We stopped that three and a half years ago.
0: Okay, he is not wrong about his ability to to make deals, at least in the Middle East. So Benjamin Netanyahu got up and gave a speech. Now, Another note about the idiotic nature of our foreign policy media here in the United States. Their line has been only left-wing Israeli governments will make a deal. Right, Left-wing Israeli governments are what you need. You need conciliatory, submission-based, left-wing Israeli governments. And Bibi Netanyahu is evil. He's Hilarian. He's fascistic. Okay, now, Bibi Netanyahu has won a lot of elections. Elections. And he's been doing it like every three months. <laughs> because in Israel, they love elections so much, they just never stop them. He's been elected like three times in the span of the last two years because they could not form a government. Okay, so Bibi Netanyahu, this horrible right winger who happens to be one of the more historic Israeli prime ministers in history, right? I mean, just more most important by any stretch of the imagination. Here are the governments that have cut peace deals. Okay, the governments that have cut peace deals have been in order Menachem Begin, right, which is a peace deal by Likud with Egypt. That was a peace deal. We have seen Ariel Sharon attempt to cut a peace deal and, by the way, engage in the Gaza withdrawal, which was actually a huge mistake. And now Bibi Netanyahu, it turns out that right-wing governments are typically better in Israel at making deals than left-wing governments. Why? Because left-wing governments tend to deal from a position of weakness. Right-wing governments tend to deal from a position of strength. Here is Bibi Netanyahu pointing out that, you know, while the entire media seems to think that this is all about Trump, it is not. This is about making a better world for people living in the Middle East. As a, as a person, Bibi Netanyahu served in Israel's special forces, and whose brother Yoni Netanyahu um, was famously killed during the Entebbe raid. And he talks about how people who have been wounded in the in the causes of peace cherish peace more than anybody else
3: i am so deeply moved to be here today for those who bear the wounds of war cherish the blessings of peace and the blessings of the peace we make today will be enormous first because this peace will eventually expand To include other Arab states and ultimately it can end the Arab-Israeli conflict once and for all.
0: Okay, that is, I mean, this has always been true, by the way, Israel has always wanted to make peace with its enemies. I mean, there are famous stories of after the Menachem Begin peace deal with the Egyptians, wounded soldiers from both sides, Egyptian soldiers and Israeli soldiers, wounded soldiers approaching each other in the desert and giving each other hugs because everybody would like peace at a certain point, so long as it doesn't mean submitting to terrorism. Hey okay, then, all of the leaders of these nations sat next to each other, they nor- they signed this normalization agreement. I mean, this is an amazing thing. It is. It's an amazing thing. You can see the video of them all signing these normalization agreements in Hebrew and English and in Arabic. Right? Which is an incredible, incredible thing. In Dubai, at the Burj Khalifa, Israel's national anthem was played. I mean, this is incredible stuff. Israel's national anthem. Remember, these nations have not acknowledged that the Jewish state ought to exist that the quote-unquote Zionist entity ought to exist. Here is video of Israel's national anthem being played at Burj Khalifa in Dubai. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing, okay? The walls of the old city in Jerusalem were lit up yesterday with the flags of Israel, the UAE, and Bahrain, right? This is in Jerusalem, the most contested city in probably world history. And you have a Jewish flag And two Arab Muslim flags flying alongside each other on the walls of the old city of Jerusalem. That's an amazing, amazing sight. So this is historic stuff. So how does the media treat all of this? By pretending that it's not important at all. So Vox's Aaron Rupar, who is just a moron. I mean, just a dud. He tweeted out, reality check. Israel has never gone to war with UAE or Bahrain. Oh, well, I guess it doesn't matter then. I guess they were best friends. Israel has never gone to war with the UAE or Bahrain. Oh, all right. Well, officially, the United States never went to war with the Soviet Union. Seriously, officially, there was no war between the United States and the Soviet Union. I guess that if they'd signed some sort of peace accord, then that wouldn't have meant anything because they were never officially at war. Makes perfect sense. The United States has never been officially at war with China. If we signed some sort of agreement that radically de-escalated tensions, that probably would be non-historic as well. Moron. These people are just, I'm sorry, they're so stupid. I'm amazed how bad our foreign policy experts are on these issues because they literally know nothing. They are dumb as a rock. It's unreal. We'll get to more of the media's stupidity on this because they completely blew it. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that now is not a great time to visit the auto parts store. I mean, put aside all of the threats inherent in being in crowded lines. Also, why would you ever visit an auto parts store? I mean, you're going there and then they have to order the part online anyway, or they give you a generic part that's not the greatest, and then they overcharge you. This is why you should use the internet for everything, rockauto.com. It's much easier than walking into a store and someone's manning quick and specific answers about your car. Instead, you can do this from the quiet and convenience of your own home and get the best price on the product as well. Like say you happen to need a Delphi FG 1456 fuel pump assembly for a 2005 to 2010 Honda Odyssey. That'll cost you like 354 bucks at a chain store. At Rock Auto, that'll cost you 217 bucks. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Head on over to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? That RockAuto.com catalog, it's unique. It's remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Head on over to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. right Shapiro in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you. Go check them out right now. OK, so how badly did the media get this wrong? Here's just a, a little bit of a review of how bad the media blew this. Here's a, a compendium put together by the Washington Free Beacon of various members of the news media informing us how bad Trump's foreign policy in the Middle East was going to be and how it was going to explode the entire Middle East. Oh, yeah. Until peace broke out all over.
2: President Trump's big decision to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and one that Palestinians and others say could destroy hopes of Middle East peace once and for all. The president's unilateral action will get people killed. How hot will it get? And how destabilizing will it be?
3: What he has done is thrown a diplomatic bomb into the Middle East peace process. They're not interested in history. They don't don't know history. That would then embarrass all the Sunni Arab regimes. They would have to do something enormously complicating. by the way, Israel's relations with them. It's going to stop any hope of Middle East progress in the peace talks.
0: And so all these geniuses, so much geniusing happening over on MSNBC. You saw there Thomas Friedman, the lead moron in the foreign policy establishment, who wrote a piece today trying to explain how all this happened and, of course, got it completely wrong and then suggested at the end of the piece that all is going to happen now that the entire Arab world has made clear that they have no real interest in helping the Palestinian terrorist leadership gain statehood. Thomas Friedman's suggestion is, well, I guess that'll just put pressure on Israel to actually make concessions to Palestinian terrorists. Yeah, sure, Thomas Friedman, you stupid ass. I mean, <laughs> these, these are idiots. Yeah, if you move the embassy to Jerusalem, the world is going to burn. Moves it to Jerusalem, nothing happened. If you recognize the Golan Heights as Israeli territory, the world will burn, the Arab street, blah, blah, blah. Nothing happens. Oh, yeah, and then the entire Arab world turns on the Palestinians and says, you know, it seems like you guys are really intransigent and terrible. By the way, Thomas Friedman, that moron, he says that the real problem here is that Bibi Netanyahu is not is is too intransigent with regard to the Palestinians. It's just, it's unbelievable. And, And let's not forget in all of this, how bad the Obama administration was. Obama gets half credit for this. He gets half credit for this because he inadvertently created all of the conditions necessary for the breaking of the impasse between Israel and the Sunni states by deciding to openly side with the massive terror regime in Iran. By shipping them billions of dollars, by opening their economy, by giving them a clear pathway to a nuclear bomb 10 years from the signing of the deal which, by the way, is fast approaching. Barack Obama essentially created a de facto alliance in the Middle East against Iran and against his own interests. So you want to put those idiots in charge of foreign policy again? How, how dumb are these people? John Kerry said that moving the embassy to Jerusalem would lead to a East explosion. Now here's what he said in an interview with David Martin of CBS in January of 2017. The question was, what would happen if the United States were to move its embassy to Jerusalem? You'd have an explosion, said John Kerry, an absolute explosion in the region. Not just in the West Bank, and perhaps even in Israel itself, but throughout the region. The Arab world has enormous interest in Haram al-Sharif, as it is called. The Temple Mount, the Dome, it is a holy site for the Arab world. And all of a sudden, Jerusalem is declared to be the location of our embassies that have profound impact on the readiness of Jordan and Egypt to be as supportive as and engaged with Israel as that. <laughs> you moron, you dolt. The only thing that the, that the Obama administration did not lie about is how pliable the media were in favor of the Obama administration. Ben Rose just lied to the media openly about how Iran had moderated, and everybody in the media establishment, including the idiot Jeffrey Goldberg, swallowed it hook, line, and sinker. and now they can't get over the fact that they completely blew it. And this is why you end up with the media trying to downplay this. Juan Williams yesterday, I mean, I, I like Juan as a person, but this is so stupid. Juan on Fox News yesterday tried to explain that this entire Middle Eastern deal was just a distraction. It was just a distraction, you see. Why is Nancy Pelosi calling it a distraction?
1: Well, because it is. You know, (laughs) this is a moment when you could look at the situation and say, the real trouble here is between the Palestinians and the Israelis. And that situation has not been helped. But the real action here is in the United States giving arms, giving serious arms to UAE uh, potentially to go after the Iranians. And so what we're doing is stirring up a proxy
0: war. Oh, that's what we're doing is stirring up. A, the, the proxy war has already been there, Juan. I'm sorry. The, the centrality of the Israeli-Palestinian issue has been resolved. It is not central. It has not been central. It is a lie that it ever was central. And the New York Times, meanwhile, printed what has to be the dumbest column on this called a White House ceremony will celebrate a diplomatic win and a campaign gift. This is by geniuses Michael Crowley and David Half, Halbfinger. Leaders of the Persian Gulf states are grateful to Mr. Trump who has embraced their government's crackdown on their arch nemesis, Iran, and defended them from intense political criticism in Washington. Like Mr. Netanyahu, they are eager to see Mr. Trump win a second term in November. And at the White House on Tuesday, Netanyahu and a select group of Gulf Arab officials will be returning the favor, doing their part to repay and support Mr. Trump. Oh, that's what happened here. So amazingly enough, all it took for peace to break out in the Middle East is a bunch of people to like Trump. Okay. now, in reality, this this has very little to do with their personal relationships with Trump. And it has everything to do with the fact that all of the interests align, specifically because Democrats promulgated crappy policy in the Middle East. Okay, so what did the media really decide to do with this? They decided to downplay it. So Wolf Blitzer has on Jared Kushner yesterday. Jared Kushner, who was widely mocked as, oh, look at this stupid son-in-law of President Trump, this real estate guy. He's gonna solve peace in the Middle East. Yes, he is going to solve... (laughs) Sorry to break it to you, gang. The answer was yes. Jared Kushner did a good job here. So did his deputy, Avi Berkowitz. The Kushner team was intimately involved in every aspect of this, every aspect. So Wolf Blitzer has on Jared Kushner. And what does he do? He grills him over Trump's stupid tweets. You have a historic peace process that breaks out into an actual signing ceremony at the White House involving Israel and two Muslim Arab nations. And Wolf Blitzer is very focused with Jared Kushner, the architect of this deal, on why Donald Trump is tweeting about hashtag pedo Biden.
3: I saw the president retweet to his 80 million plus followers, a very, very disturbing, ugly message uh, accusing the the Democratic presidential nominee, Joe Biden, of actually being a pedophile.
1: Look, Wolf, I haven't seen the tweet. I've been focused today on this historic peace deal. I got here early in the morning. I've been helping get this thing ready. Please tell him,
3: tell your father-in-law that it's really bad. It's really disgusting to retweet those kinds of ugly, disgusting tweets uh, about his Democratic rival.
0: Well, that's really the key issue here, guys. Let's focus in on what truly matters right now. Not a historic peace deal in the Middle East. Whatever is the distraction that they wish to to push today. I'm looking at the New York Times front page right now. Here are the headlines, okay, on the front page of their website. These are the top headlines. Hurricane Sally dumps two feet of rain. Barely halfway through a hyperactive hurricane season, forecasters are running out of names. What then? Big Ten will play football in 2020, reversing decision. Party selfies and hazmat suits. How New York's worst campus outbreak unfolded. Rain could offer some relief for Oregon and Washington. Election update. Primary season is finally over. On the fire line, grueling work and a shared purpose. U.S. retail sales show slower growth in August. House report condemns Boeing and FAA in 737 max disasters. Why, it's almost as though this didn't happen. Because if you read the front page of the website of the New York Times, this didn't happen. Okay, I'm looking. The first headline about this peace deal is buried all the way down at the very, very bottom of the website, only in the, like, world news section. It's not even the world news section. I'm literally, it's it's in the politics section. It is buried at the very bottom. It's headline number 83. Imagine if Barack Obama had done this. I mean, not only did they give him a Nobel Peace Prize for literally being an alive human, they would have given him another one for actually doing something useful. They wanted to give him a Nobel Peace Prize for the Iran peace deal, the worst deal ever. Okay, but they gotta downplay the whole thing because obviously Trump bad, orange man, very, very bad. Bad orange man, bad. Okay, in just a second, we're gonna get to Joe Biden who continues to babble nonsensically his way across the country. And then we'll get to Donald Trump, who decided to step on what was a triumphant moment at the White House by doing an ill-advised interview on ABC. I mean, first rule of politics, if you're Donald Trump, don't get into a town hall with like George Stephanopoulos and his band of of rando questioners who hate your guts. That that seems like a bad idea. Joe Biden was smart enough not to do it, right? Joe Biden was like, "I, I don't have time for that. He, he was too busy playing pinochle by himself in the basement in Delaware. And we'll get to more of this in just one second. First, it's getting, out, it's getting unsafe out there. I mean, we, we've seen it breaking out in L.A. We've seen it breaking out in Chicago, in New York, in Washington, D.C. It is just getting unsafe out there. We've seen people accosted eating dinner. We've seen people accosted outside their homes. We've seen people walking into suburban neighborhoods and trying to tag, tag houses. It's getting unsafe out there. And this is why you really need to be a gun owner if you are a law-abiding citizen. And not only that, you need to know how to use that gun. I don't just mean that you need to know how to operate the gun. I mean that you need to know what you legally can and cannot do. Because the fact is that these days, you could properly use a gun in self-defense, and you could still be arrested for using a gun in self-defense, as we have seen repeatedly over the last few months. In this day and age, you need a gun to protect your family and yourself, and you need a free, 100% free copy of the Complete Concealed Carry and Family Defense Guide from the U.S. Concealed Carry Association. It's 164 pages. It comes with a bonus audio version, so you can listen... Whenever you want, just text Shapiro to 87222. You'll get instant access and a chance to win a thousand bucks, so you can buy a gun to protect your family. Text Shapiro to 87222. Again, that is 87222. Text Shapiro to 87222, and you get a chance to win a thousand bucks. You can buy a gun to protect your family, and more importantly, a 100% guaranteed free copy of the complete concealed carry and family defense guide from the U.S. Concealed Carry Association. Okay, as part of our daily audience announcement. There are a number of ways that you can take in this podcast. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or another podcast app. You can also watch our podcast on YouTube, Facebook, or over at DailyWire.com. Here's the bottom line. We're making our content available to you anywhere you watch or listen. And now, we are introducing a new, upgraded experience. Ooh. Ah. Daily Wire is now on Apple TV and Roku, so members can enjoy all of the visual elements on this podcast on your big screen, either live or on demand. Find The Daily Wire on Apple TV or Roku and download today. You have to be an insider member to watch live, so head on over to dailywire.com slash Shapiro. Use code WATCH at checkout to get 15% off your membership purchase. The deal's not going to last long, so act fast if you want live shows on your big screen. Plus, the one-of-a-kind, highly coveted, never duplicated, often imitated, leftist-tears Tumblr, ooh, again, That is dailywire.com slash Shapiro to get 15% off with code watch and download the Daily Wire on your Apple TV and Roku today. Also, quick reminder, if you are watching this on YouTube right now, you should head on over to the Ben Shapiro YouTube channel because starting at the end of September, we're going to be shifting all of these broadcasts over to just that channel. You can't just subscribe at Daily Wire at YouTube and then get the, the show. You actually have to go over to the Ben Shapiro channel and subscribe. So pause whatever you're doing right now, head over there, just hit the little bell and then you will be subscribed over there. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation all righty so president trump had a good day for most of the day and then he did this town hall with with abc now i don't I, i wonder what the strategic idea here was i assume the strategic idea here is to get trump out as often as possible to highlight the fact that joe biden refuses to be asked any tough questions and it's a strategy but i don't think that trump actually needs to prove that people understand he has energy In fact, one of the knocks on Trump is that he may not is that he may have too much energy or is that he can't sit still, is that he's up at three thirty in the morning, sitting on the toilet and tweeting out Fox and Friends. Right. That is one of the big critiques of President Trump. So we don't actually need more President Trump at this point. The president needs to sit down and he needs to be quiet and he needs to let Joe Biden be the focus of the campaign. More Biden and less Trump is a recipe for Biden losing. More Trump and less Biden is a recipe for Trump losing. Okay, but Trump does this town hall on ABC News last night and again. Why you would do this with George Stephanopoulos, it, it is a source of constant amazement and astonishment to me that George Stephanopoulos is considered an objective news anchor. It's like Carl Rove being considered an objective news anchor. Now, Carl would never pro- proclaim himself such. George Stephanopoulos has. The man literally wrote in his book about weeping backstage with Hillary Clinton the night that Bill Clinton won the presidency in 92. He is, George Stephanopoulos is a Clintonista. He was on, I believe, was the cover of Time magazine with Bill Clinton. Like the the idea that that guy's an objective news anchor just demonstrates how ridiculous our mainstream media are. So Trump never should have done this. And his media people honestly should be ashamed of themselves for putting Trump in this situation. And then Trump demonstrated that he didn't prep. It really was not a particularly good showing. And, And again, let the headline be the headline. The headline is you just made a major peace deal in the Middle East. Let that headline be the headline. Instead, he goes on ABC News. And the thing was stacked. I mean, there's no question the thing was stacked. What I mean by that is that you didn't see a lot of questions about, you know, President Trump, here are all the wonderful things you did. Can you explain them? Now, every question to Biden would be that, right? Every question would be, Joe Biden, you're, you're such a compassionate, wonderful man. Explain to me how compassionate and wonderful you are and how bad your opponent is. Every question for Trump, of course, was, why are you a racist? Why don't you care about people like me dying? So, for example, a black pastor was, uh, was brought forth to ask the president why his slogan, Make America Great Again, is racist. Like, this is an actual question asked at a town hall.
3: You've coined the phrase "Make America Great Again." Right. When has America been great for African Americans in the ghetto of America? Are you aware of how tone deaf that comes off to African American community?
2: If you look at just prior to, and I'm talking about for the black community, you look just prior to this horrible uh, situation coming in from China, when the virus came in, that was the, probably the highest point home ownership for the black community. Home ownership. Uh lower crime, the best jobs they've ever had, highest income.
0: Okay, so he, he immediately swivels to, of course, his economic performance. But that basic question, and there's a good answer to it, which is America has historically fallen short for black Americans, but the principles upon which America was built provided the pathway toward more freedom and prosperity for black Americans than any ethnically black people on the planet, which happens to be the truth. Okay, but in any case, Forget about what Trump's answer is. The fact that he walked directly into a scenario like this is not particularly smart politics. Okay, here's another question asked by a quote unquote Trump voter. So here is a, a supposed Trump voter who is uh, angry at Trump. He says, Why did you throw people like me under the bus? If you believe that, that Joe Biden would ever receive a question like this in a mainstream media setting, it's because you're high.
3: I voted for you in 2016. I'm conservative, pro life, and diabetic. I've had to dodge people who don't care about social distancing and wearing face masks. I thought you were doing a good job with a pandemic response until about May 1st. Then you took your foot off the gas pedal. Why did you throw vulnerable people like me under the bus?
2: Well, we really didn't, Paul. We've worked very hard on the uh, pandemic. We've worked very what is that hard. What does that question even supposed to mean? China,
0: Honestly, China. why did you throw vulnerable people happen? like me under the bus? What does that mean? Throw vulnerable people like you Under the bus. And what specifically is the question there? So again, Trump shouldn't have done this particular town hall. It is not smart. You don't need more of him out there. There There's plenty of Donald Trump out there. I don't think anybody has a shortage of Donald Trump. If if we were looking at shortages on the menu, this is not one of them. There's plenty of that in the back, right? We've got plenty of Trump in the back. (laughs) There's plenty more where that comes from. And then of course, you had the typical kind of Trump botcheries, right? So you had Trump being asked about face masks and he specifically asked about it. And instead, uh, and he says face masks are, are kind of controversial. The evidence on them is split. And then instead of citing the actual evidence being split, which it kind of is, right? I mean, most of Northern Europe, Scandinavia, they are not masking up. The health officials in those countries have said that masking asymptomatic people is actually a waste of time and or counterproductive, that social distancing is more important. Instead of talking about the fact that the WHO until five minutes ago was a big proponent of not masking up when you were asymptomatic, instead the president decided he was going to randomly talk about waiters and touching their faces and stuff. Now, I think the point that he's trying to make here to to try and be charitable, the point that he's trying to make here is that if you improperly wear a mask, it is actually counterproductive. That happens to be true. Okay. My wife, when she was in medical school, they actually give you a class in how to use PPE, right? How to properly wear a mask. Because one of the problems is if you're constantly messing around with your mask with your hands, then you actually get the germs from your hands on the outside of the mask. You breathe that in, right? Or the germs that have accreted to the outside of the mask, you get them on your hands. And later when you rub your nose, you end up. So there, there are problems if you improperly wear a mask. But overall, in crowded areas, are masks a good idea? Yeah, they are. I mean, because if you sneeze in a crowded area, the mask blocks, blocks most of it. In any case, here was Trump going off on waiters or something.
2: A lot of people don't want to wear masks. There are a lot of people think the masks are not good. And there are a lot of people that, as an example, well, you have, are you those people, well, I'll tell you who those people are. Waiters, they come over and they serve you and they have a mask. And I saw it the other day where they were serving me and they're playing with a mask. I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying what happens. They're playing with a mask. And so the mask is over and they're touching it and and then they're touching the plate. That can't
0: be good. OK, so, again, is this useful stuff? No, it is not useful stuff. And then Trump hit Biden on the mask mandate. The point he's trying to make here is that Joe Biden says that he's going to mandate masks, but he actually has no intention of doing anything along those lines. So he's kind of lying to you, right? He says he's going to mask everybody. He has no power to do it. He himself has said that. But uh, again, Stephanopoulos tries to get push Trump into basically suggesting that that Biden has the power to mandate masks right now. It's it's, it's very silly.
2: Well, I do wear them when I have to and when I'm in hospitals and other locations. But I I will say this, Uh, they said at the. Democrat convention. They're going to do a national mandate. They never did it because they've checked out and they didn't do it. And a a good question is you ask like Joe Biden. They said we're going to do a national mandate on masks. He's called called on all governors to have them. It is a state. Well, no, but he he didn't do it. I mean, he never
0: did it. And so Biden immediately said, well, uh, I I can't do it. I'm not the president. Well, even if you were the president, you can't do it. Right. In any case, was this a good idea for Trump on a day of foreign policy triumph. No, this is a bad idea for Trump. Now, here's the thing. I think most of this is baked in. Just politically speaking, just putting on the analyst hat, most of this is baked in. When I say most of it, I mean nearly all of it. People know who Trump is. They believe what they're going to believe about Trump. The person who still has play in his numbers is Biden. So Biden's numbers have been pretty stable throughout. But Biden is one falling off the stage Bob Dole 1996 moment from his numbers cratering. Because the fact is that Joe Biden is not with it. He is not. And I know that that's a lot for, for Trump to gamble on. Right? Trump is basically gambling on a couple of things at this point. One, that the American people will wake to the fact that the Democratic Party has moved in an incredibly radical direction. And two, that Joe Bi- that the American people would believe that, that Joe Biden being unhealthy means that Kamala Harris will be president. And frankly, Biden and Harris have been underscoring that idea. So yesterday, Kamala Harris in the middle of a, a presser, she literally said that she would be leading a Harris administration. They're now saying the quiet part out loud. Here is Kamala Harris. I mean, get a get a food taster, Joe. A
2: Harris administration together with Joe
0: Biden. A Harris administration together with Joe Biden. Who's running for president again? Ben Biden yesterday botched it himself. He called it a Harris-Biden administration as opposed to a Biden-Harris administration.
3: Harris-Biden administration is going to relaunch that effort and keep pushing further to make it easier for military spouses and veterans to find meaningful careers to ensure teachers know how to support military children in their classroom. Well, that Harris-Biden Biden administration is the threat there, is it not? So
0: that is Trump's case, right? Trump's case is twofold. One, that he's unhealthy, so he can't handle the job. But more importantly, if he's unhealthy, Kamala Harris ends up being president. And unfortunately for Biden. He, the more he is out in public, and this is why they're minimizing his public appearances. So I understand, again, the, the, the kind of thematic attempt by Trump to get out there a lot so that he can show that Joe Biden is not as lively and with it and that maybe he's unhealthy. I get all of that. I do. I don't think Trump needs to do that. I think Trump should go to the basement and he should let Joe Biden have to make public appearances because every time he makes a public appearance, it gets more and more desperate. So yesterday, Joe Biden was speaking at some sort of forum for Latinos or as the Democrats and the woke call them Latinx, which, by the way, is a descriptor no Latino or Hispanic person I've ever heard of actually uses for themselves. It is not, in fact, a popular term, except among social justice warriors who believe that they get to name Latino and Hispanic people what they want to name them. Joe Biden came out at this event playing Despacito on his phone. This is about as awkward. Remember that time when Donald Trump put out a tweet in the middle of the 2016 campaign? and It was just a picture of him on his plane eating a taco bowl, and he was like, I love Mexicans, taco ball. And everybody's like, what now? And it was really, really funny and ridiculous. Joe Biden just one-upped him. Here's an awkward old man playing Desposito.
3: I just have one thing to say.
0: Hang on here. <laughs> All right. Oh, my God.
3: There you go. Dance a little bit, Joe. Come on i tell, <laughs> tell you what, if I had the talent of any one of these people, I'd be I'd be, elected president by acclamation.
0: You know, if I had the talent of any one of these... I don't know what I'm listening to. My hearing aid is low. and Also, who are these people I'm talking about? The talent of any one? Of, are we talking about Mexicans or Guatemalans? Joe Biden, high-energy individual. Also, again, maybe... I'm not sure this is all baked into the cake. Maybe it is. Maybe Joe Biden's senility is baked into the cake, but maybe not, right? Because every time he goes out in public, he babbles nonsensically like an idiot. As I've said before, the presidential debates will be something to behold. Donald Trump has said he's not gonna prep for it, which again is idiotic. You have to prep for your debate. You have to prep for your debate. It matters. This is one of the only debates that matters. The bar is so low for Joe Biden that if he doesn't physically fall on his face and start drooling oatmeal bits, then he will probably be declared the winner by the media. So that means that Donald Trump actually has to show up. So not prepping for it is really dumb. But is it all baked into the cake that people realize just how badly Joe Biden has degraded? Here was Joe Biden babbling yesterday about quartermasters. What in the world is going on in this clip? Because
3: if you could take care, if you were a quartermaster, you can sure and hell take care of running a, you know, department store uh, thing, you know, where in the second floor
0: of the ladies department or whatever, you know what I mean? <laughs> Your future president of the United States, virile, young, with it. If you're the quartermaster of the ladies department in the Revolutionary War and they were quartering troops in your, in your house with corn pop and yeah, cream of wheat, Denny's, early bird dinner. Okay, well done. Also, uh, yesterday, Joe Biden struggled to remember Barack Obama's name, which is weird because the only person who has ever made Joe Biden's square worth a damn is, is the man named Barack Obama. Here he was yesterday.
3: When... We hit the recession. The president, uh, President Obama asked me to see if I could convince my Republican friends to join us in. Yeah, that's that's awkward.
0: That's awkward. By the way, Biden's campaign manager was again asked This is a different campaign manager was asked yesterday if Biden uses a teleprompter during interviews and again refused to answer the question because the answer is yes. Of course, he uses a teleprompter during interviews because he is not cogent. He is not cognizant. He is not with it. Okay, here, here. This is the easiest question in the world. Honestly, they should have just put no in this lady's teleprompter.
3: How do you respond to the criticism that has, uh, uh, we've seen this all over, about the vice president using a teleprompter during some of these interviews?
2: Oh, well, I mean, first of all, I would say very clearly, the vice president uses a teleprompter. Uh, on occasion, you see it as this giving a speech, but he is also out there every day taking questions from reporters. You're seeing that today; he's in Florida uh, and will continue to take questions. He's take, I think, he took questions four or five times uh, out on the stump and out of his, his travel last week.
0: No, he is not taking questions. He's running away from questions. And okay, so, at this point, Trump has two hopes: one, the Democrats continue to tie themselves to the radical left; two everybody sort of realizes that Joe Biden is not completely with it. Speaking of the radical left, what is not canceled these days? Seriously, we're we canceling all the things. There are no more things to, to be canceled, I feel like. I feel like we're going to have to live basically in a vacuum. We're all going to be ejected into space where there's nothing left to be canceled. There are not even atoms left to be canceled. We're just going to be in a complete vacuum. And that's, that's the real way to get woke is we'll all be dead, but at least we'll be floating in a vacuum. That'll, that'll be exciting stuff. Vox has a piece. Vox the same people who proposed that there was a land bridge between the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, the geniuses over at Vox. They have a piece yesterday by Nate Sloan and Charlie Harding. Here is the title. How Beethoven's Fifth Symphony put the classism in classical music. So now Beethoven's Fifth Symphony is racist and classist. Now to realize how stupid this was, you have to to understand that Beethoven was a pretty thoroughbred secular humanist, uh, that Beethoven specifically rejected imperialism of any sort he famously dedicated the third symphony to napoleon bonaparte but then ripped off the cover page when napoleon bonaparte declared himself emperor but apparently that's not good enough beethoven is now canceled to many beethoven's most famous work is a symbol of exclusion and elitism in classical music says vox.com beethoven's fifth symphony starts with an anguished opening theme dun 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 and ends with a glorious major key melody Since its 1808 premiere, audiences have interpreted that progression from struggle to victory as a metaphor for Beethoven's personal resilience in the face of his oncoming deafness. Or rather, that's long been the popular read among wealthy white men who embraced Beethoven and turned his symphony into a symbol of their superiority and importance. What the F? What in the F? I've never heard this before. Like, seriously, I've never heard this in any context. As a classical musician, I've played violin since I was five years old. Okay, I played the Beethoven Violin Concerto. I have, I have played Beethoven's Romances. Like, I'm a big Beethoven fan. I'm quite familiar with the classical repertoire. No one, no one is like, you know what, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, it, it happened because he's white. Because he's a white man. Mm-hmm. But Vox cancels Beethoven. Why? For uh, This is incredible. That's long been the popular read among wealthy white men who embraced Beethoven and turned his symphony into a symbol of their own superiority and importance. For others, women, LGBTQ+ plus people, people of color, Beethoven's symphony may be predominantly a reminder of classical music's history of exclusion and elitism. One New York City classical music fan wrote in the 1840s, for example, that he wished that all women shall be gagged by officers duly licensed for the purpose before they're allowed to enter a concert room. Oh wow, you cited a rando from the 1840s who thought that women talk too much at classical concerts? Boom, owned Beethoven. Roll over Beethoven, you're done. What is it? So apparently trans people and questioning people or queer people and bisexual people are particularly off-put by the Fifth Symphony, which is very, very strange. That's a very strange thing to, to intuit, Vox. I, I didn't see that one coming. I'll be honest with you. I've seen a lot of these cancellations coming. Cancelling the Fifth Symphony because trans women are excluded by a piece written and premiered in 1808. Uh, That's a new one for me. I'll I'll, I'll admit, I didn't... Points for creativity. Today, some aspects of classical culture are still policing who's in and who's out. And much of it started with Beethoven's Fifth. When you walk into a standard concert hall, there's an established set of conventions and etiquette. Don't cough. Don't cheer. Dress appropriately. That's more about demonstrating belonging than appreciating the music. Tell me more, people who have never been to a classical concert or apparently don't appreciate classical music. Hey, there are certain conventions that are appropriate for the classical music hall. Because people would like to hear the music. They are not rock concerts. And now, it wasn't always like this. They were sort of performed like rock concerts when they were written. But over time, there's been a classical canon has been treated with great awe and reverence because these are, in fact, the pinnacles of Western creativity. And it's not going to get better than Beethoven. It just is not. But, like, those conventions include things like don't clap between movements. Okay, Like, they're movements to symphonies. And usually, a symphony has four movements. So, when you get to the... The end of each movement, you don't clap after the first movement of Beethoven's Fifth. You clap at the very end of the symphony. Is that because of racism or classism? Apparently, the Vox got together with the New York Philharmonic and broke down the music and meaning of this inescapable work of music. We, have, we must ask how Beethoven's symphony was transformed from a symbol of triumph and freedom into a symbol of exclusion, elitism, and gatekeeping. Everything we love to hate about classical music today. How did the meaning of the symphony get so twisted? For classical music critic James Bennett II, Beethoven's popularity and centrality in classical culture is part of the problem. As you perpetuate the idea that the giants of the the music all look the same, it conveys to the other that there is not a stake in that music for them, he says. Okay, I hate this garbage so much, I can't even explain how much I hate this garbage. The notion that you can only appreciate somebody else's work if you look like them is the most tribal bullcrap I have ever heard in my entire life. As a Jew, there are a few great classical Jewish composers, and Mendelssohn was Jewish and Felix Mendelssohn was Jewish. Sanssans was Jewish. Bizet was Jewish. That's pretty much it. I mean, there, there are there a few others. You know whose music I like more than that? Brahms, not Jewish. Beethoven, not Jewish. Mozart, not Jewish. Bach, not Jewish. The, the, the very essence of thinking as a rational human being is deciding what you do and do not like based on things other than tribal affinity. And yet now we are being told that because Beethoven was white, he is inherently canceled because white people might take some sort of reverence from the fact that he was white. Now, what's weird about this is these exact same people will say, you know what we need? We need more black composers who are given their proper due because that will make black people feel good about themselves. Well, you can't have it both ways. Either you should say that great music should be appreciated for being great music and that we should appreciate Duke Ellington because Duke Ellington was a fabulous musician rather than because Duke Ellington was black, and we should appreciate Beethoven because he was a fabulous musician, rather than because he was white. Or you have to make the claim that we should appreciate Duke Ellington for his blackness and Beethoven for his whiteness. But you can't have it both ways. But this is the way that the left would like it. New York Philharmonic clarinetist Anthony McGill, one of the few black musicians in the ensemble, agrees that Beethoven's inescapability makes classical music appear monolithic and stifling. He likens the inescapability of the Fifth Symphony to a wall between classical music and new diverse audiences. If you pretend like there's no other music out there, that Beethoven is the greatest music that will ever matter, says McGill, then orchestras will alienate new listeners since we're not promoting any of the composers alive today that are trying to become the Beethovens of their day. Okay, let me just point out, none of the people trying to become Beethoven are Beethoven. The New York Times recently put out this long piece, including a bunch of little snippets of modern classical music. I tried, man, I tried. I listened to every single one of those little snippets. And for the most part, they sucked. They are not listenable. That doesn't mean that the composers don't know more about music composition than I do. I am sure they do. It doesn't mean that there aren't a small cadre of people who appreciate that. I'm sure there are. But in a very big cadre of people. And if you are making the claim that the the modern composers, the Philip Glasses of today, that that those composers are on the level of Beethoven, yeah, shove it. And that, oh, we have to stop talking about how Beethoven is great because it might convince people that modern composers aren't good. It should convince people modern composers aren't good. Modern composers are not that good. In 200 years, nobody is going to be listening to any of the people on that modern composers list from the New York Times. And that's just in the classical field. I get ripped up and down for my elitism because I say Beethoven is better than Cardi B, which is inherently obvious to anyone with a functioning prefrontal cortex. I'm sorry if it's offensive to you that I think that Brahms is better than Eminem, but Brahms is better than Eminem. The the very destruction of art in the name of wokeness is just, it's despicable. It's despicable. So, well done, Vox, going after Beethoven. Beethoven is now canceled. Just really, let's cancel all the good things. All of them. All the things that could possibly tie us together. Music is canceled. Sports is canceled. Movies are canceled. Again, I'm kind of eager about this. I'll be honest with you. We're moving over to Nashville. and One of the things that we plan on doing is engaging far more in the culture wars. What I mean by that is not just calling out stuff that we don't like culturally, but actually producing cultural content. We're intending on doing this. So thank you to the left for canceling everything that is good, fun, and interesting about human life because you've opened up a market for us and we look forward to filling it. All righty, we'll be back here later today for two additional hours of content. Otherwise, we'll see you here tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Klavan Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant director, Pava Wydowski. Our associate producer is Nick Sheehan. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio mix by Mike Koromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020.
3: President Trump introduces peace deals with nine new Middle Eastern countries. Kanye West calls himself the new Moses. And the foolish
0: things of this world confound the wise. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, let's say you were a stormtrooper and you were enjoying a nice meal of roasted Ewok in the Death Star mess hall. Well, all of a sudden you hear the voice of Alec Guinness saying, use the force, Luke. The next thing you know, the entire place is going up in flames around you. And it's at this moment you really wished you had life insurance. Make life insurance part of your financial planning this year. Start shopping right now with Policy Genius. Find the right policy and protect your family. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from top companies and find your lowest price. Luckily, Policy Genius helps you compare your options from top companies and their team of licensed experts. Well, they're on hand to help talk you through it. No added fees. Your personal information remains private. It's super satisfying to check life insurance off that to-do list. A good life insurance plan can give you peace of mind that if something happens to you, God forbid, your family will be able to cover mortgage payments, college costs, or other expenses. Life insurance through your workplace might not offer enough protection for your family's needs. It's not gonna follow you if you leave your job. Head on over to policygenius.com right now. Save time and money. Give your family a financial safety net with Policy Genius. Head on over to policygenius.com slash or click that link in the description. Get your free life insurance quotes. See how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash Shapiro.